Cool. Well, we're continuing on in our series um, called uh, called the Church. Uh, why it is, who it is, uh, where it is going, and what's the point? And the, the purpose of of the series is for us to just look as a church at um, you know why why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we gathering the way we're gathering? What's the point of uh, why we do home churches? Why we are together on Sunday mornings and, and all that. What are the sort of big picture uh, reasons for that? Uh, you know, it's so important every now and then for church just to freshly articulate its values and, it, and its vision and its mission to just make sure that those things are, are understood uh, throughout the whole life of the community. Um, in, in our case, some of the vision uh, values and, and those documents that we've had, we've had for a long, long time. And, and in our case, it's time to sort of refresh them and, and sort of find fresh language and articulation for why we are together and, and what we're doing, just simply so that we can, uh, we can have really safety and begin to release more and more leaders among us. Uh, being away this last week, there's just quite a lot of reflection on, on what that really means, even, even for me as a leader, to uh, feel safe releasing people into the community to do the things that they're, they're called to do. I, I have a natural tendency to kind of be a sheepdog more than, more than a shepherd sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, my tendency might be to shout out a vision to the community and say, okay, let's go that way, but not have a real mechanism in real time to uh, help people understand, you know, the, the small decisions that they're making along the way. And as a really small church, it was possible for us to have a highly relational mechanism where I could sort of come around side and say, okay, no, let's go over this way like a sheepdog. Oh, okay, let's go over this way and sort of funnel uh, people together. And... Uh, but, but it's not really a healthy or, or a safe mechanism as a larger church because I simply don't have the capacity to do that, right? So we need as a, as a church to have uh, those core vision, values, things threaded through and, and follow sort of Jesus' pattern for leadership that uh, there would be shepherding, that the, uh, the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd and that being the voice of Jesus as he speaks uh, through our community and through all of our leaders. So it's just really important to sort of let us as a community, and I think that's my heart for this series, that we would hear the voice of the shepherd Jesus uh, speaking through us rather than hearing me barking when anybody does something wrong. It's not a healthy dynamic, right? Or when, when we're straying a little bit. So just some of those dynamics we process as a community and, uh, and I'm just really, uh, really pleased to be able to, uh, to, to share some of this vision stuff with us. Uh, what we've kind of articulated in terms of broad strokes for us as a church is this idea that we want to encounter Jesus. Uh, we expect that that encounter will transform us, that it will change us. And that as we, uh, as we're changed, as we're transformed, that we'll share uh, that with others. So, kind of a working document or a working statement for us at this point is that our purpose as a church or our vision as a church is to encounter Jesus together, expecting what He's done and what He is doing to change us and propel us out to facilitate that encounter for others. Really simple: we gather, we grow, and we go. We gather, we grow, and we go. And that's, that's our heart. The piece of that that we want to talk about this morning as we unpack it is this idea of change. What does it mean when we gather to expect and anticipate transformation, to expect that, that he's going to change us, uh, to expect that when we worship, we're changed, 
to expect that when we gather in home churches, we're going to be changed, to expect that we're gathered when we're gathered in twos and threes, that we're going to be changed by Jesus as we encounter him together. Um, and, and in that, you know, there's sort of two ideas that we really have to reconcile. Uh, it, it is so true that God loves us just the way we are. Isn't that a really important thought for us as, as Christians? He, he absolutely loves us just the way we are. But we've often heard this phrase, he loves us just the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he loves us the way we are, but, but too much to leave us that way, that he wants to change us. And you know, often uh, with, with us in the church, I think if you're, if you're like me, um, we don't have a lot of fear about God actually changing our hearts and making us new. In fact, at a pretty deep level, we, we cry out for that. We cry out for him to change us and to help us with our addictions and with our fears and our woundings and our brokenness. But the reality is, is that when we're trying to create this really safe environment, we're, we're actually not as, as fearful that, that God would change us. We're more fearful that we'll be judged by people or, or people will try to change us in ways that are, are not right. So, so as we just talk about that, that idea of, um, of change, we're, what we're not saying is that we as a church are going to change people. I mean, we hope people will be changed as they're among us. But it's not, it's not the church, it's not us that change people, it's Jesus that changes people. Um, it's, it's our job to just facilitate those encounters with Jesus where he can change people. And that's really important language for us in our, in our vision statement, in our documents, that we want to uh, be places, you know, coffee shops, home groups, uh, in our cars when we're driving to and fro with people uh, here on Sunday morning, that the purpose uh, of us and all of the stuff our volunteers do, our, our kids over there in OVV Grow are there to have an encounter with Jesus. Uh, we created this wonderful coffee. This was brewed for you so that you could gather around that space there and have a conversation with someone with Jesus invited into the midst of it and that you would be changed and transformed. Uh, we preach the word. We tell Jesus' story so that the stories of what he's done in the world would change us. We pray for people and worship and do ministry time so that uh, as we encounter him in that space, that he'll transform us, that he'll change us, that we'll experience uh, his love. So we're just all about wherever we can, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, trying to facilitate those simple encounters with Jesus and coming into those encounters with that, uh, that expectation. An important way to, for us to understand that idea that he, um, he loved us, he saved us, uh, and that he's, he, he's still transforming us is to just simply look at the word salvation in the scriptures and understand that especially in the New Testament when we hear salvation, uh, we he also hear it in three tenses in the scriptures. And we're just going to unpack some of these in, in a few moments. Uh, we have been saved. We hear that in Paul's language. In Paul's language, we also hear we are being saved. And then in other cases, Paul will use this language, we shall be saved. This salvation for us is something that has happened to us, is happening to us, and shall happen to us. That he loves us uh, through all of those stages of the process. 
And so uh, the heart of this is we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about sort of the dynamics of how it works, like how we're changed when we worship together or how we're changed when we read the word or how we change uh, when we're at home church and we're in those dynamics and discussions together or how we change when all these sort of things uh, are going on. But uh, much, much better to just start with the heart. Um, how does God really want to change us in terms of our relationship with him and, and where we're positioned in all that. So let's just unpack some of these ideas together and just pulling some things out of the scriptures. Uh, we have been saved. We have been saved. Let's just read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 together. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you just the way you are. He loves us just the way we are. And we've talked about this, this often as, as people. If you can, uh, I mean, it's not the kind of thing we want to dig into very much, but if you can imagine and you can remember uh, your, your grimmest, darkest moments of, of struggle and challenge in your life where you know without a doubt that there is sin in your heart, where you felt unclean and you felt unworthy and you felt like you've hurt others or you felt like you've, you've transgressed, uh, God's law in a, in a deep and personal way. In that moment, he, he, he didn't hide his eyes from you. In that moment, he saw you. And he looked on that person in the deepest depravity, in the deepest place of their sin, and he looked at you and he loved you. And in that moment, he loved you, not only just a feeling of affection or a feeling of, oh, that's my child, but of a feeling of, I value this person so much that I will die on the cross for them. While we were yet sinners, he loved us enough to die for us. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thought that in our darkest moment, his face wasn't turned from us. That in our darkest moment, he took us and held us in his arms and said, all that's on them, I will just take it upon myself and take it to the cross and, and die for us in that place and endure the tortures of the cross out of love for us at our most unworthy and set us free by that. We've been saved by that. And, and, and that this grace wasn't given uh, to us just in that moment, but that grace goes back even further. It goes, it goes to the beginning of time. It goes to that plan that he had for you, that purpose that he had for you, that love that he had for you while you were still a twinkle in his eye, while you were still in his imagination. He, he loved you that much. Uh, Paul goes on to say to the Ephesian church, he says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For you have been saved by faith. And it's really important for us to recognize that positional nature of salvation. 
Um, you know, John Wimber used to describe it like this, and I don't know where he got it from, but, uh, you know, we, and I've shared this illustration a hundred times, uh, but uh, the, the Christian life is like beginning a race. Um, and, you, and you remember that sort of like the grade five, like running races where you run the 500-yard dash? I guess you don't run that far. As a, and we, back when I went to school, we did yards too, which is crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, you'd run the like 50-yard dash, now the 50-meter dash. You remember as a little kid, you're like on that line and you're just ready to go. And just imagine the, the, your, your gym coach coming up to you. Like you're just so anxious to just run that race. And the gym coach comes to you and says, oh, wait, stop, before you go, I just want you to know that you won. Just so you know, you, you won. 100%, like, let's put a medal on you right now. Let's put, uh, let's sing the national anthem. Let's throw a party. Everybody applaud. <laughs> Woo! Woo! You won! You won! That's our position before the Father. Because he has saved us, we've won. And then he just pats us on the bum. Gym teachers don't do that anymore. <laughs> and we now run the race. Right? And we just run the race. So the Christian life for us is running a race that we've won. It's the, the incredible thing of what Jesus has done for us. This is something that Jake in particular is really passionate about is us understanding the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Like he has done it. He has accomplished it all. All of that work is done for us. And, and the greatest part of our life is just figuring out what that means and how to live in it and how to walk in it. Uh, he's done it through us. We have security, we have surety. Do you, do, you, do you remember what it was like when you first knew? Do you remember that moment? For me, it was at a little Baptist camp called Christopher Lake Baptist Camp up in northern Saskatchewan. And I remember uh, hearing the gospel preached uh, on the Friday night and they sort of would ramp camp up to this sort of teaching of the gospel. And, and on the Friday night, there would be I don't even remember exactly how it went, but all this, this floating cross would get pushed out onto the lake, all lit with candles, and just to make that cross stand out as a powerful symbol. And I remember just going back into my, uh, my, my room with my, my buddies and the lights going out. And, and I remember just saying, Lord, would you come into my heart? And I won't, I won't ever forget that. I won't ever forget when I was 12 years old, that sense of the presence and the love and the acceptance of Jesus. Some of you haven't had that experience yet. Uh, I'm longing for that for you, for you to invite Jesus into your life, uh, into that space. But, but just take a, take a moment now and just, would you just take a moment? Um, and this is where we're trying to create more interaction and more uh, a possibility for the Lord to speak uh, in the moment, in the middle of sermons and things like that. Just take a moment and, and just bow your head. And would you just let your memory go back to that moment for you where you knew that he had saved you? Let's just be silent for a moment.
Father, thank you so much for our experience of, of having given our lives to you. For some of us at an altar, after a church altar call, for some of us quietly in our rooms at nights, for some of us as little children, for some of us as adults, for some of us through great uh, rebellion and trial and struggle, we, we finally gave up. But we celebrate those moments of knowing that you saved us, knowing what you did for us. Would you cause those memories to be present to us? That we would never forget what you've done. We thank you for these in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord has saved us. But you know, our understanding of salvation, if we are, are living in knowing that God has saved us without recognizing that there might be a little further interaction uh, to come, <laughs> we're stalled in our journey, aren't we? Uh, we have been saved and we are being saved. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18, it says this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those of us who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that same cross that you became aware of uh, when you gave your life to Jesus, that saved you completely then, the application of that understanding and the application of that work that Jesus did for you on the cross, isn't it super present to us today? Did anybody make any mistakes in the, in the last little while? I mean, my, my kids, I mean, they had to think really hard to think of any that I made. But, uh, but uh, I also tell them, I tell them the story because that's the last mistake I'll ever make. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry to make that first, first time I, I know I, I left bathroom kids. I've been yelling. This was this morning, actually. Like, kids, leave the light off, off in the bathroom. Like, just, would you please just turn off the light? And I just get this, just this huge yell uh, from downstairs because they figured out that I left the light on this morning. <laughs> like, they don't let you get away with, <laughs> with anything, right? Right? You know, the, I mean, it's not just about light switches, but the application of, of his work on the cross is, is huge for us. And it's, it's not just about transgressions. It's not just about sins. But, but it's about, you know, breaking out of sin patterns in our lives. Right? It's, a, it's about breaking out of, out of brokenness in our lives. Like We took some time to reflect this week, and I was keenly aware, keenly aware of how some of the wounds I've experienced uh, as, as a leader in the past have impacted my leadership into the present. Like the Lord, the Lord like did bit some business with me this week. Like, like deeply aware of, of how in some cases, some failure that I've experienced has caused me to walk in a fear of failure now, to lead hesitantly in some ways where I should lead boldly, where a fear of rejection has, has caused me to neglect conversations or confrontations or, or things that needed to be discussed in the present, like keenly aware that my own brokenness has, has affected me, that I have some, some serious growing to do that this process of being saved is pretty darn active in my life and pretty darn necessary. 
right? So we come to the present, we come to this journey together. As we all say at OVV, welcome to OVV. We're all, we're all people with messes of lives, like we, because we're trying to create a space where we can be broken uh, together, right? But we're coming with that expectation that brokenness is something that Jesus is going to change, that he's going to transform us. There's not one of us in this room that can come into, into a space like this and just say that we, we've got it all figured out. We've got it all figured out. Uh, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us it's like life. It's life. It's, it's everything. Or we're just so stuck. We're just so stuck. So there's a, there's a call for us to be open, open, just open to process, open to what he's doing. Um, it's why we embrace the work of the spirit, why we have altar calls or we have opportunities per, for prayer. Hey, does anybody need prayer this morning? And, and somebody will stand up and we'll gather around them in prayer because we know that an encounter with Jesus is transformative. Uh, it's why when we gather to worship, we're not just singing songs that teach us and, and why we learn these things in our in our heads. It's not songs to teach us, but it's songs that are an interaction with God, not just sung about him, but sung to him in a way that as we glorify him, as we invite him into our lives and into our presence, we know that just his being there is going to tweak us. Just the constant discipline of gathering to worship time and time again, expecting that when we meet with him, we'll be changed. Uh, he, he just keeps gently gently, gently nudging us along. Just so lovingly and so gently nudging us along. And then we have all kinds of moments in worship where, where we'll see a person or another person where God will, will just land on them and, and some revelation will come and they'll begin to weep and God begins to change the heart. And, and the Holy Spirit is just so free to move among us and do that kind of thing. It, but, it's, but it's why we gather. And so we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, saying, oh, Lord, would you just change me and make me new? And this week, I, I prayed so many times. Uh, Monday morning for me was like an incredibly uh, intense morning of just praying again and again the prayer of David, search me, oh, God, and know my heart. Search me, oh, God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there is anything anxious in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Right? Like, like Lord, just, just work me over. And so uh, for all of us, um, you know, what, what's your story? Where's your space where you need transformation, where, where you're not made whole yet, where you need him to change you, where you need him to, to touch you? Let's take a moment again. And let's just be silent and let's bow our hearts and let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come and, uh, and speak to us. Lord, we come into this space, we come tenderly, we come humbly, we come acknowledging our brokenness and we just say we know we need to be transformed by you. Would you speak into our journey in the present? You love us just the way we are, but, but thankfully too much to leave us this way. Come in this moment and show us areas in our heart that you, you want to heal.
Lord, would you show us any of our old wounds that aren't completely healed yet that we maybe thought were, that you want to take us another level? Would you show us um, the, the patterns that we've wrestled with for our whole lives that you want us uh, to touch, that you want to be us to be changed in? Would you uh, bring us from glory to glory to glory to glory as we behold your face with our faces unveiled? Just change us, Jesus. We, we welcome you. Thank you for loving us so much just the way we are. And thank you so much for drawing us near every day. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And the piece that's not reflected in our vision statement, and I cut it sort of because it's too long, but, uh, but it's a really important piece of the, of the picture um, is, and maybe there's a better way to reflect it in there, but the truth of the matter is, is that while we have been saved and we are being saved, we shall be saved. That there is something of salvation that's coming for us ahead in the future, and Paul speaks of it um, in, in the future tense. He says this in verse 11 of Romans chapter 13, our salvation is now nearer than when we first believed. Now, this is the same man who said that we have been saved, we are being saved. And it's now nearer to us than when we first believed, that it's, it's ahead of us. There's something more for us that's out there. There's, there's an end to the journey. There's, there's a moment of culmination that's coming. He says this in verse 2 of, of John, and this is obviously John, not Paul speaking. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's a moment of revelation of Jesus and who he is that goes beyond uh, the, the shadow that we see, that goes beyond the little bit that we see, the amazing thing that we see. There's a way in which we are going to get to see all of him in his glory face to face sometime in the future. And in my uh, prophetic class, I'll be telling you exactly what the time and date of that is. <laughs> Obviously not. Look at this though. Look at this in 1 Corinthians. Back to Paul again. Verse 51 of, of chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Christianity, and we don't talk about it because it's freaky, but Christianity believes in the resurrection, that your body will be resurrected. I should have brought my paper Bible with us, but, but Paul is very, very clear on this. Your body will get planted in the ground, and it'll get fixed up. Like, what does that look like? Like, how's he going to reassemble the molecules? That, that the worms ate and took over here and over here. I don't know how that works. Like, that's a crazy story. Like, do you ever let your mind, like, go into these Bible stories and try to think through the physics of it? Like, it's crazy. Like, a worm ate my toe, and it wiggled 
over there through the dirt and it grew, that molecule grew into that tree and became a leaf. That leaf was blown off the tree by the wind and it went way over there. Like, like my toe is going to be miles away. How's he going to put it together? <laughs> He's going to do it though. He's going to do it though. There's something amazing happening. We shall be changed. So another moment of just reflection for your story. This is, it's not a story that's happened yet, but let's have fun with it. Can you imagine what your glorified body is going to be like? No sickness, no disease. Yeah, taller. That's a good thing. For Gordo, taller for Gordo, thinner for me. <laughs> right? I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't know what reflections of our, our life are going to be like at that point, but, but he, he's going to do something awesome. Let's just take a moment in, in quiet and, and just even our physical bodies. Ask the Lord, say, say, Lord, we look towards the hope of the resurrection for the things we struggle with. You know, things like, some of us struggle with things like depression, right? And we're, and we're treated with, with uh, you know, with medicines for that. The Lord will, when you are resurrected, have rewired your chemistry in your brain so that you're not going to need medication in heaven and on the new earth, right? Like, like that's going to get fixed. Sandy, your knees, if we, if we don't see them healed, like when we pray for you before you have surgery, whatever, they're going to be healed. Sandy's going to be taller, and she's going to run. Like, she's going to run. Like, that's what's coming for us. That's our hope. That's our hope. So let's just pray, and let's just say, Lord... We look forward to the resurrection and whatever you're going to do. And just let him, uh, in, in his holy way, sanctify your imagination and imagine what the Lord is going to do. Let's just, let's just pray. Let your Holy Spirit come and let us imagine the power of the resurrection uh, working here and now among us, but also to that great moment in the future when we shall see you as you are. Would you let us carry uh, those pieces of imagination and let them be hope to us. Give us your vision for us, Lord. time when there will be no more pain and no more tears, no more sorrow. Release hope to your people, Lord.
I didn't do very well with that. I got stuck back in uh, a, a worm eating my toe. And I imagined that it wasn't a leaf on a tree. Like it was like a seed. And then a goose ate it and took it to Florida. <laughs> like, like we could really travel. <laughs> so that's, what, that's where I went. So that was a terrible prayer time for me. But... Uh, <laughs> so the, the Lord is good. Yeah. How's I going to put that together? Like, come on. Um, you know, it's helpful to think of God as an artist as we close here. You know, we have been and are being, this is from the passage in Ephesians, and shall be his handiwork. Where's handiwork? And this is a beautiful peace message that Doug brought to us, uh, I think maybe almost a little over a year ago, to just sort of dwell on that idea of us being uh, God's masterpieces. You know, every time we gather uh, in twos and threes, every time we gather in home church, every time we gather on Sunday morning, we, we, we just should be asking a really simple question. Will I put my hands, will I put my heart in the hands of the potter? Will I put my heart in the hands of the potter? He's the potter and we're the clay. That's from Isaiah 64. You know, to understand uh, how that works, uh, some of you maybe are artists and, 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 and understand this in a way that I, that I don't, at a level that I don't. But, you know, a, an artist who's, who's working on a project in love you know, from the, from the very moment you take that lump of clay in your hand, that there's something of yourself invested in it. There's, there's something in it that, that you love because you can see the potential in it. You see the value that it has in that moment. And, and if you know about creating art, there's nobody who hates doing the work of creating art and just likes the finished product. Right? That's, that's not how art works. Really, there's a, there's a love that happens all the way through the process. And we take this lump of clay and we're taken as a lump of clay. And at this moment where it's just so unformed and so strange looking and so odd, uh, the Lord is completely invested in it. And as he begins to turn it on the wheel, like the moment that, I mean, just let me go back here for just a second. Like, the moment the, the artist grabs this, right, it becomes the thing that, that he sees in the future, doesn't he? The moment he lays his hand on it, 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 it becomes its past, its present, its future it is present to God, right? And so he begins to work it. How many of you, sometimes, do we like that process sometimes of being needed, of being spun? Like sometimes the Lord is forming me on his wheel and I'm spinning like I'm going to puke, right? <laughs> right? It's not a, not a fun process a lot of the time, right? But the Lord turns us and he shapes us and he makes us new. And at some point we're done. And he loved every stage of that process. With his whole heart, he loved you at every stage of that process. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are all the work of your hands. 
Will we put our hands in the hands of the potter? Will we put our hearts in the hands of the potter? Let's stand. Lord, we ask that it would just be reconciled in our hearts and in our minds. That your desire to change us is not incompatible with your love and acceptance of us. Would you just do that in the deepest possible way in us? That we would just grow to embrace your processes. I confess, Lord, that at times I've been just kicking and screaming and resisting. But Lord, we just ask you to come and change us and make us new. Addictions that we fought with for a long time, uh, fearful patterns that we fought with for a long time, struggles that we've carried, would you just uh, begin to continue to finish your work in us? Begin, continue, and finish. Begin, continue, and finish in us, Lord. It's all present to you. For anyone here, Lord, who uh, hasn't uh, chosen to put their lives in your hands, who hasn't uh, given themselves to you, Lord, would you just give them courage to place their hearts in your hands for the first time? That they would be able to be like that little kid at the starting line before they've run their race to, to receive that medal around their neck and to hear the angels applaud. Continue to take us on a journey as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.